0: All About You is a memoir. I have tried to recreate events, locales, and conversations from my memories of them. In order to maintain their anonymity, in some instances, I have changed the names of individuals and places. I may have changed some identifying characteristics and details, such as physical properties, occupations, and places of residence. Chapter 35. Jonathan. We are seven and eleven years old. It is an early Saturday morning and we are racing through the house. We are pushing and shoving without mercy because the stakes are high. First one to get to the TV gets control of what we are watching. I want to watch Scooby-Doo but he prefers the Super Friends. I hate the Super Friends. I think they're boring We are nearing the end of the hall, getting closer to the family room, when Jonathan makes a bold and calculated move. He shoves me into the entrance of the formal living room as we pass by on a curve, and I lose my balance and slide dangerously close to the antique coffee table with the precious ceramic piece that has been in my mother's family for generations. By the time I recover, he is ensconced on the sofa, the TV is on, and Mikey is about to love that bowl of life cereal. "'It's not fair!' I insist, out of breath and steaming mad. "'Get out of the way. I can't see the TV,' Jonathan replies, throwing a pillow at my head. "'I was ahead, and you played dirty. You cheated, so I win!' "'You can't cheat when there are no set rules,' he said. "'Yes, you can!' Don't talk if you don't know, Liz, he retorts, second pillow whizzing past my little frizzy curly hair. Oh, that phrase, don't talk if you don't know. If I heard it one time, I heard it a million. It made me so mad every time I could have pulled out my hair if it was long enough to grab hold of. It caused me to stomp my feet and fight back tears of frustration. Don't talk if you don't know. Don't talk if you don't know. When I told Jonathan I was writing this book, he immediately said, I'm thinking of writing one too. I'm going to call it Don't Talk If You Don't Know. We both burst into gales of laughter. But there was still a small part of me that felt rage start to bubble up in my gut, wanting to ball my fist up and punch him in the face. Old habits. I know I was an annoying little sister, but I wanted to be part of his world, and I wanted secret access to the lighthouse. There were many times I was let in, and it was magical. My favorite memory was Christmas Eve when I was ten. Jonathan made a radio out of a kit, of course he did, and it had a microphone on it so you could use it to hear yourself talk or sing. Well, this particular night, Jonathan snuck into my room and quietly led me back into his domain. He had opened the attic access door in his room. It was a tiny door, only there to provide service to the chimney. Jonathan had opened the chimney chute door and fed the microphone with its cord down the length of the chimney to spy on Mom and Dad, busy preparing the room for Christmas morning. I remember being so nervous and afraid we would get caught. I was trying so hard to suppress the nervous giggles that threatened to bubble up out of my throat and explode into the tiny space, echoing all through the chimney and getting us busted. I was wriggling around in my excitement and finally had to fly back into my room and hide under the covers. I was so racked with guilt and nervous energy. The older he got, the more Jonathan pulled away. The more I would irritate him and cause him to snap at me. Looking back on our childhood arguments and all the insults that were thrown back and forth, he sure had a doozy of one he could have whipped out at any time. Oh yeah? Well, you're not even really my sister. You're adopted. I am not. Take that back. Don't believe me? Fine, but you are. Your real family didn't even want you. Of course, he never said it. I wonder if he ever thought about it. Or if he did, but he had to pack it up tight and move on to the next little sister bashing idea he could come up with. Maybe that was what all the doors slammed in my face meant. This fight is over. Don't make me hurt you. Don't talk if you don't know. Despite my brother doing his best to keep a cool distance between his emotions and our family, I still felt like he let me in more than anyone. I learned to take the time he doled out to me and not pressure him for too much more. I got his sense of humor, and I grew to love and admire him so much. The words that had once stung me, So, are you Jonathan Butler's little sister? I now wear proudly like a beauty pageant banner. Look at me. I'm Jonathan's sister. Chapter 36. Sister. Despite our fantastic phone call, my sister did not send me a picture. We continued to keep touch on Facebook Messenger. She still did not accept my request to be her Facebook friend. She was moving very slowly and taking her time. This was killing me. I had waited so long, and now I was as close as I ever would be, but information was being handed out in very small doses. We spent more time emailing and getting to know one another. The process was a delicate dance, a careful exchange of hellos and thinking about yous and how are things. She led and I followed, clinging tightly and trying to anticipate the footing and sways in our pas de deux. She dips me. I spoke to mom today and told her all about your theater success, and she was so excited about everything you have done. I melt gracefully in her capable hands. That's amazing. I can't wait to see a picture of her. She sets me down slowly, turns, and takes off, just as suddenly, leaves the floor on a grand jet, leaping away. TTYL, gotta run. Thank you for being so patient. I'm so grateful for the grace you have shown our family. I curtsy. Of course. Take your time. She chains around me. I had dinner with Mom, and I brought my iPad to show her pictures of you. She really was happy to see them, and how pretty you are. I freeze in my steps, halting our dance. She saw me? What did she think? What did she say? She said you look like her mother. You definitely got the... family genes, especially the eyes. But, added my sister, she didn't seem surprised to see you, Hinting that our mother had done some sleuthing of her own and looked me up on the internet. You look like a. I look like her family. That was the most wonderful thing anyone had ever told me. So, she had looked for me. Of course, she had my name from the calls and the letter. Over the years, I wondered if she was thinking about me. She was. When I had roles and plays and reviews published about them in the newspaper, I wondered if she would ever get to see my successes. She did. This was remarkable news to me. You know, if I were in your shoes, I would be doing the same thing you are. My sister and I continued our correspondence over the following weeks. A lovely friendship was forming and a comfortable banter developing. Still no picture of my mother. She was holding back, keeping me at arm's length and doling out information when she felt ready, keeping herself safe, keeping her mother safe. It wasn't okay, but it was something, and I was clinging to it with all my hopes. I jumped whenever I saw a new message come from her, and I would share it with my husband, gushing about my sister. I was in rehearsal for a play, a light-hearted comedic romp that we were staging for a summer release. My best friend Keeley was directing. Keeley and I had met just after I found and lost my birth mother. Keeley, a California girl who left swimming pools and movie stars behind to live in the land of Scarlett O'Hara, was lively and smart. And my last name was Butler. Frankly, my dear, we were meant to be together." Her dream? Open a theater and produce thoughtfully written productions with the most gifted local actors. Okay, I added that last part. She was a fast-talking go-getter and her dream came to fruition. I was lucky enough to be cast by her and our friendship blossomed instantly. She was fascinated by my adoption story and her heart was broken over its tragic abeyance and my inability to find the answers I sought. We would sit together long after rehearsals ended in a darkened theater discussing the nuances of the story, psychoanalyzing the characters involved, and plotting the next steps that would bring me closer to a reunion. So it was only fitting that the first time I ever saw an actual photo of my mother, I was with her. Rehearsals were in full swing, and during my time off stage, I sat in the back of the theater watching my friends perform. I tilted back the metal chair I was sitting in, balancing precariously on the table behind me. My iPhone vibrated in my pocket. It was a message from Facebook. My one-year-old friend request to my sister had finally been accepted. The shock and surprise propelled me from my chair, which tumbled over loudly onto the floor. Rehearsal abruptly stopped as all eyes turned to stare in my direction. "'Are you all right?' "'Keeley asked. "'It's my sister's Facebook,' I shrieked, "'my voice an octave so high in range "'that it might have awoken a few neighborhood dogs. "'I'm in!' "'What?' "'Keeley leapt from her seat "'and was suddenly by my side, peering over my shoulder. "'Look at all these pictures,' I said. "'My mother must be in some of them.' "'My confused cast members watched this exchange, "'not knowing what to do next without direction or motivation.' "'Start looking, Liz! I'm so excited!' Keely encouraged me before returning back to the stage. "'Sorry, folks, big moment here,' she explained. "'Liz has the most interesting adoption story.' She regaled the cast with my story as I began scrolling through hundreds of pictures deemed Facebook-worthy. "'My beautiful sister in high school. Dances. Sleepovers. Beach trips. My beautiful sister in college. Roommates. Boyfriends. Football games.' Where is her mother? My beautiful sister graduates, parties, debutante balls, weddings. And then I find her. My mother. She was standing beside my sister at a party or some kind of special event. My mother had dark brown, shoulder length hair with just a smattering of gray peeking through. Her bright blue eyes were full of life and laughter. She seemed very happy to be standing there next to her daughter. I was seeing my mother for the first time in full color as a grown woman, not just some Xerox copy of a teenage girl. I was 43 years old. I dashed to Keeley's side and whispered, there, that's her. Liz. She stared at the picture and at me and laughed out loud, adding, this is so clearly your mother. Look at her. The resemblance is overwhelming. I don't look this much like either of my parents. I know. I was staring at the photo, captivated. Emotions were everywhere. I can't believe it's her. Why doesn't she want me? She's so pretty. I'm so mad she won't meet me. The other actors wandered over, each of them struck by the resemblance I shared with this virtual stranger. Their expressions of delight and surprise bursted around me like fireworks, and all I could do was ooh and ah with them. I wanted so badly to move this along, to get a chance to meet her, but I knew I had to take my time with his family. They were all so broken right now. I could only hope that I would find my way in. I enjoyed getting to know my sister We were regular pen pals now, and we shared in the simple events that happened in each other's lives. She mentioned she was cast in a musical that was opening soon in her town's little theater and how grateful she was for the experience. It would give her something to do and focus on as she dealt with all her family drama. I decided to go see this show. I didn't tell anyone I was going, especially not her. I was planning to just sit in the dark and see the play and leave. I was so anxious to watch her. I was interested in how she did, and I wanted to hear her sing. My current, and last, I swear, supportive husband Rob was excited to go with me, and we chose a Sunday matinee. It was likely my mother would not be there. She would have gone to see opening night, or at least an evening performance. So off we went. We arrived early, so we skulked about in a restaurant next door, and indulged in a Bloody Mary... or two. I needed this. My nerves were off the charts. What if my mother was there? I didn't know how I would handle that. This really wasn't the time, or the place. The performance we went to was a children's musical. We ended up being the only adults there, without children. We got a good laugh out of that, which helped me calm down as I searched the crowd. I saw no sign of anyone who looked like my mother, so I relaxed and watched and waited to see my sister for the first time. Lights up, and there she was. My first thought was that she was mine. She belonged to me. She was taller than I expected, and boy, could she sing. I was completely thrilled with her and how talented she was. I almost felt as if I were the long-lost mother who had found her daughter. I felt instantly proud and instantly possessive. That is my sister. I wanted to look around at all the audience members and say, See that girl there? The pretty one? That's my sister. I know. She's beautiful. Thank you. Yes, such a talent. We're all so proud. At intermission, it was announced that the cast would be in the lobby to meet and greet and sign autographs for the children after the show. My husband and I looked at each other in shock. She would be out there when we're leaving? I panicked. What should I do? She didn't know I was there. I wasn't expecting her to see me or to meet me. Should I leave now? Should we dash out at curtain call? Should I stay and meet her? We decided to stay, and the rest of the show was a blur. I cannot tell you, even to this day, what was happening in Act 2. We let the majority of the audience get out before us and allowed the crowds to settle down before joining them. When we reached the lobby, I saw her right away— She was talking to a little girl who had loved the show and wanted her autograph. My sister was so sweet with that little girl, giving her a hug. And then she looked up and saw me. The recognition was instant. She gasped and ran over and gave me the biggest hug. We were hugging and laughing. We pulled away and looked closely at one another. "'You are beautiful!' she exclaimed and pulled me back in for another hug. She thought I was beautiful." We were both overwhelmed and didn't know what to say. There was no time to really talk, and we were caught in an awkward moment of shock and excitement. I was so sure that the first time I met her I would cry, but there were no tears for either of us. My husband took our picture, and we said goodbye, leaving her to her audience and her well-deserved praise. I left, so appreciative for this amazing moment in my life, and infatuated with the idea of having a sister, My sister. She was no longer just an email or a picture on Facebook. She was real, and she was happy to see me. The puzzle pieces were coming together nicely now. I was making real connections. Look at this picture, baby. Just look at us, I say, holding out my iPhone to Rob. Can't you see how much we look alike? Baby, I'm driving the car, he replies, but still glances over. I'm still shaking, I admit, laughing. I can't wait to show everybody. I'm really happy for you. He reaches across the street and touches my thigh, his hand warm and strong like it always is. I still can't believe I didn't cry. I can't seem to stop talking about it. You guys were both so shocked. He paused. I have to admit, I'm not going to lie, I teared up a little. You didn't. I smacked his arm. Hey, I was surprised myself, he said, his macho side rearing its head. But I was so happy for you. You waited so long for this baby, and I was really glad we stayed. I rested my head back on the car seat and watched the interstate fly past us, the setting sun sparkling through the trees, and I felt her hug the whole way home. Later that night, I couldn't help but think I might have completely freaked her out by showing up unannounced, so I gave her a quick call to explain, in my increasingly nervous and clumsy way, that I wasn't actually a stalker or a crazy person. We both got a good laugh out of it, her laughter natural and palpable, wrapping me in its softness. She had called our mother to let her know, and when she told her how I was even prettier in person, she said our mother started to cry. She told me that no matter what had happened in their lives up to now, whether it was the passing of her grandparents, her father's illness, and even this divorce, nothing had made her mother cry more than talking about me. Deep down... That fulfilled me. In the oddest way, it made me think there was hope, that she did love me and would want to meet me someday. The following spring, my sister came to Charleston for the weekend to stay with us and get to know us all better. I was a nervous wreck. I wanted to make sure everything was perfect and that we'd have things to do and places to go. I wanted her to have a good time. I wanted to make sure we had fun together. This was the most important moment in our relationship to date. I was having family, my family, my sister, come to visit. She arrived on a Friday afternoon. My first thought as she stepped out of the car was how nicely dressed she was for a road trip. I would share this with Carol, my long-ago travel buddy, as we lunched and discussed this important weekend. Of course she did, Liz! Carol said over bites of Caesar salad. She was coming to meet her sister. I prepared a meal at home so we could be very casual and just spend the evening together with my husband and children. We opened champagne and toasted the occasion. We all had the best time staying up late, playing games and laughing. The entire weekend was full of fun, and it was easy and comfortable. We even ended up hearing the same song over and over on the radio every time we went somewhere, so we declared it our song. We have a song, my sister and I. Chapter 37. Somewhere Out There I spent so many years thinking about my mother and wondering if she ever thought of me at all, or was I simply a bad memory, discarded and forgotten. When I was a freshman in college, the animated movie An American Tale was released. It was the story of a mouse separated from his family and his journey back to them. It had a song that climbed the Billboard charts Somewhere Out There. The song had me dissolving into a puddle of tears every time I heard it. I was never able to sing it the whole way through. It spoke of wishing on the same star, even though they were separated, and it rang in my heart like a lonely bell. So that became my anthem, and my wish. Are my mother and I looking at the same sky? Are there thoughts of me in her heart, too? As I got to know my sister, I often asked questions about what kind of woman our mother was. What did they do together? What was their favorite thing? Oh, well, we have a song, she said. It's from An American Tale. Do you know it? It's a cartoon movie. The song Somewhere Out There. Oh... I breathed out, speechless. I felt like I couldn't pull air into my lungs, and I was spinning. I saw stars in my eyes, and the blood rushed from my head, crashing into my feet, and made me feel suddenly unsteady. Mom really loves that song. She was still talking. We had the movie on videotape, and she rewound it over and over again and wrote down all the words. She was obsessed with it. But wait... I wanted to say, you can't have that song with her. That's my song with her. See, the mouse was separated from his mouse family, and he was singing that song to his mouse mother about his mouse mother trying to connect. See, that's my story, not yours. You got her. I did not get her. You were the someone right there. I am the someone out there. Instead, I said, yeah, I know that song very well. I used to think of it as my song about finding her. I tried to laugh it off. My sweet sister looked at me with the same blue eyes as my mother. Well, we can all share it now. Chapter 38. The Tie That Binds When my sister left for home after our first weekend together, there was a true family connection, and we knew that this was going to be more than a casual relationship. The children filled the front door as she drove away. Goodbye, Aunt! We had become family. I was walking on air. I practiced saying things like, Oh, my sister and I do that. Yes, well, my sister said, Oh, this? Oh, I got that from my sister. She ended up writing our mother a letter about her visit with us, and left it under the mat of her front door one morning before work. My sister's letter was full of love for me and my husband and children, and steadfastly declared her decision that with or without my mother's involvement, she was now a proud aunt, and would be continuing on this journey to grow closer to her sister. You tell her, Oprah. It was this letter that finally, finally got my mother's attention. My sister had the power that I could never possess— and my mother agreed to meet me. I was 44. This was a moment I had wanted for the last 29 years. The day before I left, I stopped at my adopted mother's house to tell her the news. I felt she should know it, too. She walked me to the door like she always did, and we said goodbye. And then, suddenly, she reached out and hugged me. "'Good luck.' she said into my long, curly hair. We are butlers, and we are huggers. We chose July 1st. It was an extremely hot South Carolina day, and I wore a new pink dress that I had bought for the occasion. It seemed right to me that I was meeting my birth mother in a similar manner to meeting my own parents. Pink dress and all, hot summer day ahead. I had a long drive to get to my sister's house. So many thoughts were running around in my mind about what this moment would be like. I had waited a very long time. I was very emotional. I couldn't imagine a scenario where I didn't cry. I didn't want to cry. That would ruin my perfectly applied makeup. I wanted to look good for her. I wanted to be pretty for her. If I did cry, it would feel good to finally let it out. It would feel good to have my mother comfort me, wipe away my tears, hold me, and say, Shh, sweetie, it's all going to be okay. I was 44 years old, a mother of four children, and I needed a mommy. I pulled into town just early enough to stop and use the ladies' room and freshen up. Pulling into a chain restaurant, I got myself ready, taking a good long look in the mirror and quietly telling myself that it would be all right. The time was finally here. On my way out, I decided to stop at the bar. One good shot would make this all a lot easier to tolerate. Sorry, ma'am. We don't serve liquor on Sundays. Are you kidding me? You just have to make an exception. Do you realize what is happening to me today? What is wrong with you people? I'd like to speak to your manager. I found my way to my sister's house. A cute little neighborhood filled with young couples walking their dogs and a few small children toddling in small, neat front yards. I parked and took a few deep breaths. I grabbed my phone and texted my husband. The Eagle has landed. Here goes nothing. I pulled down the car's rearview mirror and inspected my carefully applied makeup again. I took a few deep breaths. I thought of my father. Do me a favor he said, handing that $500 check to me. If you ever get to meet her, I want a chance to meet her too. Thank mm-hmm. you.